called to order the October 10th meeting of the Iowa City Climate Action Commission. Um, and it looks like, Sarah, we need to admit Jesse. Um, oh, we actually, that clock's a little fast. We actually have three minutes if you, oh. if you want to wait until 3.30. But we do also have quorum. Thank you, one and so all. So this, I have, oh, okay. I had 3.30 on my phone, but oh, okay. um, um, it looks oh, like, I, I can wait. Um, Jess, it looks like Jesse. Yep. Yeah, the clock on this computer is three minutes slower than this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up to you. It is 3.30 somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have 3.30. Okay. <laughs> hello, Jesse. Are you able to hear us? Yes, hello. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Jesse. We'll be doing roll call in just a second. So, okay. Now I'll officially call to order the... Monday, October 10th, 2022 meeting of the Iowa City Climate Action Commission. So welcome everyone. And uh, we'll, if you're a member of the public, I think you already signed in, but thank you. And we'll just try to watch for any other members of the public who might uh, join us. So we'll, I'll begin with the roll call. Uh, Michael Einan Lynch. Here. John Frazier. Here. Stratus Gianna Curris. Uh, absent at the moment. Ben Grimm has an excused absence. Uh, Clarity Guerra. Present. Casey Hutchinson. Here. Matt Krieger. Here. Uh, Jesse Leckban. Here. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm here. Becky Soglin. Gabe Sturdivant is not present at the moment. And Matt Walter. Here. Thank you, everybody. Um, and would staff members like to identify themselves for the record? Sarah Gardner, Climate Action Coordinator. Megan Hill, Climate Action Engagement Specialist. Daniel Bissell, Climate Action Analyst. Um, thank you. And next we have approval of our minutes from the prior meeting, um, September 12, 2022. Were there any uh, changes or corrections noted for this, this set of minutes? Um, I just I had just one small item where it refers to the um, and I can give it to you Sarah the wording it's about the the uh, the action item about the solar prioritization working group uh, memo it sounds a little bit like the working group sent two memos but one of the memos was actually it said with a supplementary memo outlining current and outgoing solar I would just to amend that a little bit so it reads a supplementary memo from the Iowa City manager's office outlining current, just move that phrase so it's clear that it was a memo from the city manager office. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, but other than that, it looked clear and succinct. So, um, well, with that, uh, with the one uh, edit noted, is there a motion to approve these minutes? Motion to approve the minutes. A motion to approve the minutes of September 12th. By Gara, yeah. By Gara, thank you. Uh, the September 12th, 2022, with the one noted uh, correction. Is there a second? Ian Lynch, second. Thank you. And all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? All right, thank you. Those are approved. Um, so now it's the public comment time of 
of our uh, meeting and any members of the public who would like to address us uh, you're welcome uh, about any item not currently on the agenda you're welcome to do that at this time we can only listen to your comment we can't comment on it or discuss it due to the public meetings law and we ask that you take three minutes and identify yourself thank you Awesome. Hi there. My name is Elizabeth, and I actually wanted to make a public comment um, specifically directed um, regarding to the second agenda item on today's thing. I was wondering if this would be an appropriate time to do so or if later in the discussion when that agenda item is um, being Later discussed. would be best, if you don't mind, because we reserve this time for anything that's not officially on the okay. agenda, and since we like to follow the order for anyone who might be popping on later. So if you, that's, that's good. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I knew, you know, when I can oh. pop back <laughs> up or anything like oh, that. Oh, that's fine. So, it's, okay. Uh, yeah, will that we'll, be called then later or should I just come up when that agenda item is being discussed? We will first, uh, we'll kind of say when we're ready for, for public and then you can rush the podium. So. <laughs> awesome, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's see, we are now on to our announcements and I'll let Sarah take that away. All right. So the action items from the last meeting included a minor correction to the previous minutes as noted by Sogwin, and that was done. And then we submitted the minutes to the clerk to be entered into the record. Um, commission members were invited to send any follow-up questions from Mid-American to our climate action staff to pass along. We received no comments, so that one was easy enough to do. And then commission members are invited to attend a climate fest event. And I want to say thanks in particular to Clarity, who not only came to an event, but helped organize one. And we were really happy to see her both evenings. So, um, and if others of you attended and did not say hi, I'd love to know why, but <laughs> <laughs> apologies if we didn't spot you. Oh, Michael, that's right, you were at the dance. Oh my gosh. And I said hi. Yes, and she said <laughs> hi. So that's on me. <laughs> Thank you to Michael and Clarity. Quick question on one of those follow-up items. The um, I noticed there was I wasn't at the last meeting, but I noticed there was a couple of items that Mid American was going to follow up on mm -hmm. um, related to that item. Did they end up sending anything? No, we haven't re received further comment from okay. them, but we can follow up and ask if you'd like. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and by the same token, if anybody had something and they'd meant to pass it along and just didn't get the opportunity to, feel free to send it our way. It's not too late. We can pass that along, and that's true of anybody who would come to any meeting. All right, the next item, we wanted to give you a little uh, Climate Fest recap for those of you who weren't able to attend. So I'm gonna turn it over to Megan to do that. Yeah, so we had over 2,000 participants online and in person with Climate Fest. Uh, the online portion was mostly a Facebook Live with the dance performance. Over 537,000 Miles were driven combined with the EVs that participated at our EV event. Uh, $531 were donated, what was donated to Red Earth Gardens as part of the screening fee or the screening uh, donation for inhabitants at Film Scene. We had 35 partners um, who came to Climate Fest and like Sarah mentioned, Clarity was one of them who put together a bike ride <laughs> with the bike library. Sorry for putting you on the spot again. Uh, we had a lot of great feedback from organizations. They had some great, meaningful conversations with participants. And Big Grove was excited to host our kickoff event, and they actually uh, would like to do so next year. Did anybody have any questions about Climate Fest? 
thanks for all the hard work and to the commissioners who attended events or made created events. Thanks for the, the effort. All right, and then in terms of upcoming events, you can see we continue to be very busy. Um, I just I'll make a quick note as we run through the list that the first one, the I University of Iowa Solar Policy Panel is tomorrow, um, and both Stratus and I will be speaking at that. Um, it is open to the public if anybody would like to attend. The Climate Ambassador Waterworks Tour is taking place this Wednesday. Um, we've invited climate ambassadors to come and see how the waterworks plant works. You know, it's notable because six out of every $10 the city spends on electricity, we spend on treating water. So important energy user for us. Um, and that, of course, like our other ambassador tours, is open to Climate Action Commission members. If any of you are interested in taking that tour, it happens at 530. Is that right, Megan? Correct. Yeah, just reach out to Megan and she can add you to the guest list. Um, the Johnson County ADA celebration, we've been invited to table at that event. So Megan's going to be doing that on October 15th. It's going to be on the Ped Mall. So that obviously is open to the public as well. On October 17th and 18th, we're going to be sending our staff as well as our AmeriCorps team to the Growing Sustainable Cities Conference in Dubuque. Um, we also are going to be having our AmeriCorps team attend the Iowa City Halloween Carnival, which is open to the public on October 21st. And we have another speaking of event um, at the end of the month on October 31st, Jane Wilch and I will be hosting a discussion about holiday consumption and energy use. So. Um, if any of you have any questions about any of those events or would like to participate, please feel free to reach out to us about it. And we'll just note for the minutes that Stratus has joined the meeting. Hi, Stratus. Um, and then in terms of working group updates, um, we've got all three working groups listed now. I'll, I'll say for the solar prioritization working group that the memo was sent to council. Council noted the memo and approved those projects to move forward. Um, and when we get to the climate action plan update, you'll see that they have been officially amended into the plan. Um, did anybody else from that group have anything they wanted to add? All right, um, Danny, would you like to give an update from the insulation grant program? Uh, the insulation working group met and we discussed the ongoing insulation grant program. Uh, I do not have the numbers in front of me now, but uh, the members were updated. And then for the Resilience Hub prioritization group, we reached out um, trying to find a date recognizing October is a busy month for us all and couldn't seem to find a date where all members could be present. So if the members of that group wouldn't mind staying after just for one or two minutes to help me identify a better target range of dates, we'll try again to get a meeting set for later this month. Um, and that brings us to the community-based organization outreach um, that you all have been helping us out with. Um, I'll just turn the floor over if anybody has any updates on groups that they've been reaching out to. You don't have to, but if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, no update on the HBA. I went to the last South District Neighborhood Association meeting and was able to sort of introduce myself as liaison for the first time. Um, there was a lot of interest in the grant. Um, no. Heat pump, that's the word, <laughs> heat pump grant. Um, so I would love, I'm not quite sure the right way to direct people, but I would love to know that. And there's also interest in the um, 
information that goes out with the utility bill about how much energy goes into our buildings and interest in knowing how much of that is residential. So getting a little bit of engagement. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, for questions about the heat pump or any of the energy efficiency grants, feel free to put them in touch with Danny or pass his information along to them, whichever you feel is most appropriate. Okay. Is there, there's not like a flyer thing on the website that I could link to, is there? No. Not at the moment, no. Okay. I thought we did have a flyer. We'll look that up. <laughs> Great. Yeah, because I know they'll put it out to their, you know, in their newsletter if there's more information to share. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, since we're kind of going in order here, I guess, of what's listed, um, Sarah and I actually were both last week on the monthly call of the NAACP and had a good conversation about ways to move forward and um, potential engagement on training um, that Sarah and I guess I think maybe Megan will follow up on and just other opportunities, awareness about some of the grants, not not the, not the heat pump one, but some of the other grants. So um, I, th I think it was a good connection. They're obviously very, very busy too with lots of um, even state level efforts. So we're kind of aware of uh, the balance here of, of time. So. But yeah, very good discussion. So we thank them for making time for us. And with the Black Voices Project, I'm still on kind of email back and forth on finding a time. And, uh, anyone else? Well, thank you all for your continued efforts to reach out to these different parts of uh, the community. It's very valuable. You really expand the reach of this office when you do so. So it's much appreciated. So our next section is uh, um, unfinished and or ongoing business, and we will begin first with the climate action plan. And we had the summary of updates in the packet along with the complete uh, matrix of, of specific plans. I'll let Sarah take this away as well. Um, yes, so it's been a little while. We're a month overdue for our quarterly updates, and that's just in part because of all the other discussions and presentations we've been accommodating. But um, I don't know. I'm a, I hope like you or like me when you looked at the list, like it's an impressive list of things that we've been able to move forward. And um, I just want to say officially so that it can be entered into the minutes, I think what we're seeing here is um, the results of having a fully staffed office. And in particular, I just want to commend the hard work and dedication that both Danny and Megan have brought to their positions. I think the length of this list is very much a credit to all the work they've been doing, which is excellent. And I just want it recognized. So thank you guys. Um, as I noted in the spreadsheet, you know, normally we have the boxes, we color them yellow to draw your attention to the new actions. You will see that there are several items that are yellow all the way across the board. Those are the items that were officially now amended into the accelerated action plan as a result of the memo that was sent to city council. So they, we turned it all yellow so you can see that it's completely new. Um, and you'll, you can expect to receive updates on those actions going forward as a result. Um, I know in meetings past, we have um, run through the list and tried to give you all highlights of what we think is really cool. But um, it has struck me perhaps a better approach would be just to give everyone a minute to take a look at the updates in the packet. And then just um, if you each or as many of you would like to just ask about one of those things that catches your attention so we can give you a little more detail. I think what you find interesting in it is probably 
more resonant even than what we find interesting. So we'll just take a, a second to let you read through that and refresh your memory. And then if anybody has any anything in particular they'd like to ask about, please, please do. I like to let people read, but I do have one if you want to. We can wait, too. Any questions? Um, I know that the greening of the MLS, working with the realtors, has been kind of an ongoing one, has taken many turns based on conversations that have happened over time. Um, it looks like the update so far is that they um, were open to having some people attend some training, and then potentially a new program might be in the works. I'm so glad you brought this up, Matt. This is actually one of my favorite things on this update. Um, Dandy and I were talking today about how some of our victories are really subtle mm -hmm. and easily overlooked. And I said, you know, a lot of our work is like, we're trying to get to the Pacific Ocean and we're building a runway here. And when you're standing on that runway, it's like hard to see right how it ends up at the ocean. But this one in particular, um, Matt is right. We've been trying to engage with the realtor community um, as, as long as I've been with Iowa City. Um, we haven't actually had much success until recently in making inroads, um, but we had an idea after attending the Energy Summit last year to um, sponsor local realtors to attend a green designation course through the National Association of Realtors. And so we reached out to the ICE, or Iowa City Area Association of Realtors and just offered scholarships um, and ended up funding for folks to go they got continuing education credits for attending, so it enables them to uh, maintain their licensure. Um, and in return, they spent two days in Des Moines learning about um, just green designations, all the interventions that can make a home uh, highly efficient. After they returned, Danny and I did one-on-one -on -one interviews with each of those realtors to ask about the experience and basically, I, I think it's fair to say we now have four very strong allies in the in ICAR 
who came back very enthusiastic about these interventions. A number of them were talking about doing it in their own homes. They were very interested in blower door tests. Um, and so it was an opportunity to talk about how the AmeriCorps team offers that. One of the realtors has actually already commissioned a heat pump, actually two different heat pumps for his own home to try it out, which is great. And they uh, all came back talking about, um, like, let's get this amended to the MLS. And one of the things we learned from that is that the MLS listings, which you might recall, is in the accelerated action plan to ask, like, can we get energy efficiency features listed in that? Um, it only gets updated essentially every 10 years. And we're at a window of opportunity where it's going to be updated next year. So those realtors have talked to us about working together to see that it gets added, which I think is just a real victory for us. That means that um, any home that gets listed, hopefully, in Iowa City will have it noted, um, the energy efficient features. And in particular, one of the things they brought back from the training that was so effective was saying energy efficiency, as we've discovered in our own rebate programs, right, is not a term that resonates with a lot of folks, but um, they recommended from the training calling it high performance homes and then designating these as high performance features. So it's really, I think, getting that sales factor um, involved as well. So I, we could not be more excited about this development. I think it's really paid dividends. And in fact, um, I have already reached out to the new um, sustainability manager in Cedar Rapids to talk about trying to work together to host a training locally to see if we can't get more realtors from the corridor area because we know realtors work in both cities, right? Mm -hmm. To attend that training so that we can just have more folks engaged with these ideas as they're talking to people moving into the area. And hopefully utilize potentially maybe some testimonials or the, the ones who attended the current training as advocates for even the local ed education. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah, and actually one of them even came back and has now um, recommended setting up a lunch and learn through ICAR to talk about some of the technologies that were discussed. <laughs> oh, heavens. <laughs> Speaking of energy efficient features. <laughs> well, thank you for your continued work on that. That's great. Yeah, thanks so much for bringing that up, Matt. Are there any others we can speak to? I promise not to talk as long about them. That one we're just very excited about. I had a question about Gara. Have a question about the Climate Ambassador Program. As an alumnus of that, um, I'm interested and engaged in it. I wondered. So the premise of the program is that the more conversations we can have about climate action, the more climate action occurs. Um, I'm curious about the continued engagement of the ambassadors. What challenges you found with that? Um, I did notice this past summer that the picnic, picnic was canceled. I was so bummed. Mm -hmm. um, and just how you feel the effort is performing against your expectations. You want me to take that? Yeah, I think we can both speak to it. Megan's starting out in the program, so we'll let her speak first and then. Sure. Um, from my experience this summer, I don't know if people just have a lot going on in the summer, they're on vacation, you know, their kids are doing sports or other activities. There wasn't a lot of interest in the um, tours. It could have been the timing too. Uh, the water treatment plant has more people signed up for it. Um, I know that we were also going through a heat wave during the picnic. Um, so I think, I think that was part of factoring into it. 
Uh, we are trying to think outside the box, um, other ways we can engage them, not only in like tours or, you know, come to Climate Fest and uh, talk to participants and attendees and um, engage with other ambassadors. We're trying to think other ways we can keep them engaged. And actually the new cohort will start next week. Um, we have 11 people accepted into that. Um, and they'll start on Thursday uh, via Zoom again. So, um, Just a couple other things to note then. One of the other things we've done is launch a newsletter that's specifically for climate ambassadors to try to uh, just raise up some of those ongoing engagement activities and also give kind of a deeper dive knowing that this is an audience that is more interested in getting a little more into the weeds than we normally are able to do because of this what space allows in our sustainability newsletter. Um, but I'll also note with that program, you know, it was designed having had conversations with another or a number of other related efforts. And one of the things we took away from that is that sustained engagement in many ways is a rarity. You know, um, if you look at something like the Master Gardeners, which is one of the programs we tracked, or the Climate Reality Project, that it's quite normal to have folks go through a training and stay pretty engaged for six months afterward, a little less so a year afterward, and then you start seeing some attrition. And so one of the key strategies in that is to have those ongoing training so that we're always adding people to the mix. And as part of that, even in the design itself, you know, one of the requirements to complete the ambassador training is that you have 10 meaningful conversations in the community before we call you an ambassador. And we're very clear when we go through it saying like, if that's all you do, that's great. That's still helping us out because those conversations ripple out outward. You know, we hope that you'll continue to. <clears throat> and when we, when, it, when we track the continued involvement, it's subtle, but we actually do have a slightly higher continued involvement than other organizations, which I think speaks to the interest in this. We have about a 30% retention rate, which is even more impressive when you consider that um, a number of our cohorts up till now um, have tilted a little heavily toward university student engagement. And so we lose folks naturally just by graduating and leaving the community, right? Um, but we are continuing to look at other ways that we can tweak that program. We um, have been in discussion actually with a facilities manager out at ACT about offering an ACT specific uh, climate ambassador training for their employees. Um, one of the ideas for that program has long been to try to partner with organizations to um, see if we can't have different hosts that have that kind of targeted event. And so this is actually, I think, one of the other exciting things about having Megan now fully on board is that I think she'll be able to give it a bit more attention, you know, and hopefully, um, hopefully we'll continue to, folks who want to stay involved will be continuing to find ways for them to be involved. John. So as a uh, in hyphen, semi hyphen, quasi hyphen active ambassador, uh, I'm reminded, you have the answer to this, and it's your Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. Because what I keep challenging myself and people in other organizations that I am active in, and I'd hate to think that somebody goes through all that training and they're only active for six months. In order for it to be sustainable, you know the answer. It's, so I've got to get involved with something that I know about 
that excites me and that is good for the cause and the intersection of that and the Venn diagram you gave us all, which I think is the answer. And along those lines, I need to talk to you about um, my position with the uh, United Nations Association. I'm now, I stepped down as president, I'm chairing the strategic plan. And I've convinced people that installation project is something we should collaborate on with you. And I think that's another good topic, perhaps for the ambassadors. And the few uh, conversations I've had with people, they're always asking, well, what can I do? And what's meaningful? Uh, you know, if I do this, it's just a little drop in the bucket compared to the challenge. But insulation, I'm convincing people, is not a drop in the bucket. It's relatively large. So I'm gonna set myself up as an ambassador as a member of the Strategic Planning Committee with an organization that should partner with Iowa City, unless there's something politically incorrect about that, and do everything I can to have as many conversations because I'm kind of excited about it, I know a little bit about it, and it's needed right now. So that'll get me off my tail, out of my chair, not just for a week or two, but maybe all year, sustainable having these ongoing conversations. So I think Megan's biggest job is to convince the ambassadors that there's one or two topics that they may have forgotten are really significant to them, they know a lot about, and yes, they are important, and here are the opportunities for you to collaborate and partner with, rather than trying to do it all our own. I think the collaboration and the partnering goes a longer way. Uh, it's tough to run the railroad all by yourself and change everybody's thinking all by yourself. So that's just me, but I'm ashamed of my lack of uh, aggressive, sustainable ambassador performance. So that's what I'm thinking I'm going to do, among other things. You know, though, I think this gets right to the heart of it, John. It's, thank you so much for your thoughts. I mean, they're much appreciated, but I have no doubt in my mind that you've continued to have conversations, as you just demonstrated, you know, talking to UNA about insulation, which, thank you, by the way, we should all talk about insulation every day. Um, but I think that's, I think that it's a funny thing about the ambassador program, but I think people do continue to have those conversations afterward. We just don't have a great way of tracking how they're happening, right? And maybe that's something we can give more thought or attention to. Good Lord. I did have a kind of a follow-up question to that, though. So, you know, back before the ambassador program was developed, we had, we had as part of the, you know, outreach committee that we had at the time, um, talked about that targeted outreach to different groups, and in fact, our assignments to, to speak to different community partners is, is one of those. Is that, um, I mean, is, is that revisited over and over again with the ambassadors? Like, here are some opportunities, like different groups or organizations or what have you, that we would like to be speaking with, you know, open that up to volunteers to go out, you know, be, and, and make that outreach? What we've done more of, I mean, that's a wonderful idea. Uh, yeah, well, the short answer is no, we haven't done it exactly that way. What we have done is when we've had a group that we've wanted to approach, we keep track of which ambassadors are involved which, with which groups, and we'll sometimes reach out to them and say, hey, we're hoping to contact this group. We know you're a member. Are you still active? Is there someone you would recommend we connect with and use those connections um, that way? But the reverse approach, I think, could work as well. You know, the other thing I'll say, not to belabor the ambassador question, but just maybe two other thoughts on it that are worth noting. One is we've also had a lot of discussions about how 
Um, the number one thing people put down on their ambassador application that they want to do are hands-on activities. And we hear that from ambassadors, right? And clearly that's also been part of the discussion, how do we keep ambassadors involved in a hands-on way? And the truth is, our hands-on engagement opportunities are pretty limited in climate, right? There are only so many trees you can plant in a given year. There are only so many households we can reach during the energy blitz. The energy blitz takes like months of um, organizing to do one day of activity. And so, you know, when you, some of the things we start thinking about, like other meaningful things that people can do in a hands-on way, do we train ambassadors to install insulation? You start running into difficulties, right, pretty quickly. Um, but I think we're always, always thinking about other ways we can tweak it or do something. And part of the idea um, we've had recently is about tapping into the ambassadors themselves. And maybe instead of asking that they have 10 meaningful conversations before completing the training, or maybe in addition to those 10 conversations, we have the ambassadors propose a project that they would all like to work on together based on the discussions they've had. And maybe they will come up with a hands-on activity that we have just not spotted yet, right? So um, yeah, I'll, it's gonna come up on the, uh, <laughs> the updates again perennially, I would say keep asking us about it because I think it is an evolving program. And um, yeah, I think we're making slow but steady progress there. It seems there could be opportunity in the um, resilience working group to talk about some other types of hands-on projects that might not be apparent yet. Design and Lynch, sorry. <laughs> You know, and that is the other thing that we've talked about as the Climate Resilience Corps amps up, there are some meaningful hands-on things that we can do in terms of resilience. And maybe eventually um, part of the discussion will be, does it make sense to do both of these activities? Maybe eventually the Climate Ambassador Program will wind down and be replaced by the Climate Resilience Corps activities. We don't know, it's early days, but that's a possibility. On, on that note, this is Krieger again. Um, it said that the resilience, uh, that resilience hub report was completed. Did that end up actually getting completed and sent out, or did I miss it? Um, the report from the resilience hub study. Oh yes, the one by. I think it said it completed in July or August. Do, 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 do. The one by Amin Sharif. Yeah. Yes. It was completed and submitted to staff. I don't know that we sent it out to the commission. I think our thought was to share it with the working group, but I'm certainly happy to share it with the commission if you all would be interested in seeing it. Okay. I'll add it to the uh, actionable items. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? I just had one question on, um, and first of all, I think when you said like now that you have full staff, I feel like it's more than three times the work. It's like exponential, you know, to the, at least the third power. So it's very impressive, what, again, what you're getting done. Um, on the audits that were done by the Green AmeriCorps, that's great, this 109 audits. It was very concerning to me that there were 14 gas leaks found in the process. And I just wondered if, um, there is something there where there's some follow-up with either building inspection or rental inspection or mid-American that just seemed really high and, and dangerous, right? You want me to speak to this? 
Yeah, that'd be great. So as a former Green Iowa AmeriCorps member, I know the process. Whenever we find a gas leak, we get the homeowners and um, possibly if they have pets out of the home right away, call MidAmerican. They come out right away. We stay there um, and then they shut off the gas and figure it out. So MidAmerican from that point, it's all on MidAmerican and the homeowner. Um, they don't do audits on uh, apartments very often. Um, I believe those uh, leaks were all homes, correct me if I'm wrong, and not apartments. Is that correct, Sarah? Yes. Yeah. So if we're able to get in the home, we would call the MidAmerican and landlord. Um, as far as I know, we've never had a gas leak in an apartment that we've detected. Uh, when I was in AmeriCorps, we only found, and I w- did four terms, we only found probably three or four gas leaks. So it has gone up from when I was a member. And I just wonder if there's a way, can MidAmer, I realize there's sometimes the account information is private, but it seems like it would be helpful to know, like our, our 10% or 10 of the 14 furnace hookup problems or mm. just, and I, I mean, that's not really on the city, I guess, to find out, but it just seems extraordinarily if high. the team goes back, because they can't do a full audit when they find the gas leak, if the team goes back, they, they can have a conversation. I'm not sure if they did last year, um, but they could ask the homeowner what the issue was. Yeah, that might be yeah. interesting to know. Um, yeah, they generally do. Um, it was notable to us as well, which is part of the reason we reported on it. I mean, if you think about these energy audits, they're essentially a random sampling of homes in Iowa City, and 10% of the randomly sampled homes essentially had a gas leak last year. Um, a number of those gas leaks actually, uh, well, th- this is, I think, particularly interesting to the Climate Action Commission. A number of those gas leaks were external to the home, which is part of the reason that they had gone undetected. Right. So in a way, it's not a human, a direct human health hazard to have those gas leaks directly in the home. But if we think of them as a climate hazard, that's I mean, natural gas is methane by another name. And that's methane that's being leaked directly outside of the home. So um, I think it really speaks to the value of the the AmeriCorps services and in particular um, something that I think we're going to be watching very closely with with the audits coming up this year to see if it replicates again. And a question you might want to ask related to that is if the homeowner knows whether fiber or other utility work was done within the past 12 months. And I'm not trying to put the fiber companies under any unnecessary lens, but mm-hmm. there is more fiber going in, there's a lot more utility work, and there have been, it's hard not to sometimes cut cut lines. So, but thanks. This is Jesse. But- I guess I, I mean, I, anecdotally, I have some experience with gas leak detection, but I, I know that um, when I lived in, in central Iowa, um, actually before I worked for the company, uh, my uncle was a, was a gas serviceman as well from an American. And um, shortly after we built our home in 2009, he, uh, he was dispatched just be, because our gas meter was detected as needed to be replaced through some kind of quality assurance um, program or, or auditing program that, that was done through MidAmerican to, to look 
um, kind of, I, I believe, new construction and found that, you know, our, our meter was, was leaking, so we had to replace our meter. Um, that being said, also the, the big um, the big thing lately, because um, when, when we moved um, here in Iowa City, that was one of the things when we were moving, um, that the doors were open and we discovered and had never have never had never realized it um having lived in that house for three years that our gas fireplace had a leak and it was because of the um corrugated or flexible um gas tubing that uh you know for a while that was put in and they didn't realize that it was ground that it needed to be fully bonded and grounded and so they there's a lot of pinhole leaks that develop in those um flexible conduit gas lines um and that was what happened there but we didn't realize it until the movers were there with the door open you know for three years because it just went out the essentially went out the flue of the gas fireplace and was only you know brought into the house where we started smelling gas when the movers had the doors open for Uh days days you know or most of the day in in october um and so that kind of induced draft, but then, yeah, I mean, we called an American, I called down the service center right away and had somebody come out. But um, that being said, I know that there is some some um, some level of of diligence that we do on that to detect leaks on meters. Um, but also, I mean, we have we have a gas safety page and information about that. Um, but. Uh, I could try to get more information about what what our programs are as well for for lake detection. And I know there are federal there's rules being proposed or promulgated um, for methane release for for utilities as well. So, thanks for those insights, Jesse. Uh, this is Stratus, um, Megan. Can you tell me like how do you test for a gas leak? Just out of curiosity. I don't know the actual device's name, but we call it a gas sniffer. Um, You just turn it on and it it slowly beeps and you go around all the piping outside and inside anywhere that they have like a gas stove or whatever it is. Um, And if there's a gas leak, it will, the beeping increases and that's how you know there's a gas leak. I'm probably, I'm pretty sure gas never is the industry term, to be honest, <laughs> pretty much. So if you've never taken advantage yourselves of our home energy audit program, <laughs> uh, let this inspire you to do so this fall. <laughs> well, say in our current house, when we did have the audit, they did, they took the gas sniffer around and had no leaks in our current house because when we moved in, we made sure that the flexible gas tubing was bonded and grounded. But then, oh, you're safe, safer. (laughs) (laughs) Think of um, no more. I had had one more question. This is Krieger on um, item BR4. It's the benchmarking. I know that one is just kind of getting started as far as research and everything is ongoing. Are you, um, I don't know if there's just some initial goals associated with that. Are you anticipating that it might be just a start out as a voluntary program? based on research or do you know any additional details yet? Not sure that we know that at this point. There are a number of ways it could go, mm-hmm. um, that, that being one of them. But Okay. 
what we are anticipating is forming a working group to look at this question um, next year, early next year. Uh, we have, there are two items in the climate action plan that relate to it. Um, and the first thing we have to do is determine whether it makes sense to pass an energy benchmarking ordinance or not. We do actually have an intern working in the city manager's office um, currently, and we've turned over the initial research that uh, Daniel and I have done and asked him to take it a little further and prepare a report that can be used as a sort of springboard for that working group so that we'll be able to bring everybody up to speed very quickly and then start digging into the nuts and bolts of um, whether or not it makes sense to move forward on that. Sorry, I'm just full of all sorts of questions here. Um, on SLE1, that's the uh, sustainability forum and events. There was an update in August for the small business focus group that held a discussion. I was just wondering if there was just a summary of items that came out of the discussion points from that group. Um, yeah. As far as priorities and other things. Absolutely. Uh, that was actually a really interesting uh, group to talk to. Not surprisingly, most of the sustainable activity that the small groups had engaged in or thought a lot about had to do with recycling. Um, so in this way, it parallels very much the conversations we have in the community. Um, two of the uh, business, participating businesses reported being in a fairly new building and really appreciating the energy efficiency aspects of it. Um, the other two, or um, the others in the group uh, did not have that, but weren't sure how to engage their landlord. And one of the reasons we are having this conversation is because we had really great uptake of the TIF funding in the industrial sectors when we launched it last year. And we've had considerably less uptake in the downtown area. And part of that we had identified as a potential hurdle, the sort of disconnect between the landlord who owns the building and who occupies the building. Um, but we wondered if there weren't other factors in there we weren't seeing as well. One of the outcomes that came out is that uh, all the businesses reported being very interested in sustainable activity, but just really struggling to know like, where's the biggest bang for the buck? What should they be focusing on, right? And so very interesting conversation around that. One of the businesses um, proposed hiring in essentially a sustainability auditor for small businesses and coordinating that activity. And so um, we talked about offering grant funding for that activity should they want to pursue it and giving um, the businesses that participated first right of refusal to participate in it. So hopefully we'll have another update on that the next time you get one of these. But I think really productive conversations and actually one of the great outcomes of that is we connected with a number of businesses that we just simply had not connected with before. So it was good. I'm done, thank you. Okay. <laughs> no, these are all good questions. So. It's just a little harder with the mass sometimes <laughs> to know if someone's ready to speak or not. Um, well, thanks for those great questions and a good recap. Uh, um, our next item is the 24-7 initiative uh, questions and next step. And we do know we have someone in the audience who would like to speak, but I wanted to, Sarah has, do you have a little bit of a recap for us or do you want me to? Or what, I've been talking a lot if you want to dive in, Becky. So, um, <laughs> and then, um, so we've had several meetings where we've heard uh, different, uh, con different views of the 24-7 concept. And one thing we can do today is just generally talk about it, um, just our own questions amongst ourselves, and also talk about how we might want to 
proceed in terms of potentially um, making a suggestion. Now we're not to, to the, I guess it would really be to council, right, Sarah? Because ultimately, or to, or to staff yeah. to do something. Um, we're not looking, I think, to you know, write up a long memo at this point about anything. So um, we've just had these several meetings. We've had um, lots of other topics in between. And I think it's just sort of a moment for us to kind of check where we all are all at with what we've been learning. Um, and like I said, we do have a member of the public, but I want to, since it's been a while since we've really dove into it again, we've done a lot of listening, I wanted to kind of open up to some discussion. And again, I know, Sarah, if you have anything for context of what staff has been thinking to t share with us that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I have just a couple notes um, from the city manager's office and from our own office to pass along. And the first one, first and foremost, is um, actually from council itself, which is just to say, I don't know if any of you have been listening in on city council meetings recently, but um, there have been several mentions about how much council values the very careful thinking and discussion that this group has been doing on this point. Um, in particular, they noted the very thoughtful questions that were pulled together and asked for the different entities. Um, and we wanted to make sure that you were aware that council has seen that coming through in the agenda packets. They've been reading the discussions that have been happening in many ways, um, helping facilitate their own thinking about it. Uh, ultimately, it's the council's decision, not our decision about what to move forward, but um, it is within the purview of the commission to make a recommendation. Um, I've got a couple notes. You it, were in your packet received the answers from staff to the questions that have been put to us. Um, I just have a little additional note that we wanted to add. It wasn't asked directly to us, so we didn't put it in there, but um, we have continued to participate in the uh, World Resource Institute cohort of cities that have been exploring this question. And if you'd like, I can give a tiny update on how those discussions are and where we're at. Yes. <laughs> and as part of that, if, if any other Iowa cities, I was interested to know if, that, if they were as part, you know, part of that discussion as well. Um, Waterloo had been listed as a participant, but it was the University of Northern Iowa that ended up participating. They attended just the first discussion. Am I remembering that correct, Danny? Yeah. Um, otherwise, um, it's us in Des Moines who's already passed it. Um, most of the cities that have been participating in it have not yet adopted um, a 24-7 resolution themselves, but are continuing to work through uh, the questions. A lot of the solutions or um, ideas that have been brought forward in the discussion so far have really come from the corporate sphere and Google in particular, which makes sense because this is an initiative that comes from corporate entities. It's still fairly new for cities. As noted in the responses we gave you, there are really only four cities right now with such a resolution. Um, one thing that we thought was notable is that um, those solutions also that have been discussed so far, and this could change, we've only had about four meetings so far. Yeah, uh, but a lot of the solutions that have been brought forward or ways of engaging with this are really more applicable so far for um, communities and entities that are able to or participate in a wholesale energy market so that have the ability to buy and sell electricity, which we don't. Um, and it's just an example, or I should say we don't currently, you know, 
I can't speak for all possible futures. Um, but just as an example, the city of Ann Arbor, which has been looking at this, um, identified the cost of batteries as a major hurdle to adopting the 24-7 resolution in their community because, of course, the cost of batteries is falling, but that's not the same as saying it's cheap yet, as we heard from our previous presentation. Um, and the recommendation that was given to them, which I just like saying out loud, is to, uh, the suggestion was to maximize the arbitrage value of stored energy, which is a fancy way of saying sell the energy you're storing on your battery to the wholesale market to help offset the cost of the batteries. So um, very interesting and innovative solution, not something that would necessarily be available to us. Um, in fact, Ann Arbor, and I thought this was notable as well, recently decided to hire a consultant to conduct a feasibility study for this question, recognizing that a lot of these questions and solutions were really sort of outside the scope of what their staff could meaningfully take on. So um, we're gonna continue to participate in those discussions. There have been uh, dwindling numbers participating, I'd say is fair, but uh, we will be there to the bitter end <laughs> or the happy ending, <laughs> whichever the case may be, because we do think there's value. And each time we've been in the discussions, we've heard really interesting things for us to ponder. And um, we're hopeful that there are some ideas that might rise up, um, particularly the next discussion I think is gonna be about load shifting, which is a very interesting question for cities. So that is where we are at with those discussions. Um, that being said, I know Becky had raised the possibility of what comes next. Um, part of our intention in setting aside this time today was that we've listened to a lot of presentations, you've listened to us talk about it a bit, um, but we really wanted to have an opportunity for you all to talk about what just amongst yourselves, what you're hearing and what you're thinking. Um, and then in terms of next steps, um, whatever you recommend, um, one of the key things we'll wanna include are key points for the council to consider. You know, This has been really helpful for me to think about in this issue. We would recommend council thinking more, looking more into something like this as an example. Um, and those will get noted in the minutes today as well. Um, and then in terms of next steps, um, if you choose to recommend that council move forward, we would want to prepare a formal memo. Um, anything short of that does not actually require a memo. It'll be noted in the minutes. So if you want to recommend that there's more time for further discussion, um, we can continue to do that. And maybe you have suggestions on what that discussion might be about. If you want to recommend no action at this time, you don't have to prepare a memo for that. It would be entered into the minutes. Um, if you want to recommend that the city council move forward or take some other step, some, um, if this makes sense, some active action, that's where a memo is required. Does that make sense? Okay. I know this is all very complicated and new territory for all of us. So that being said, I think the thing to do is just turn the floor over and let you discuss amongst yourselves. And we want to make sure we have time for Elizabeth to come up and enter her comments as well. Would it, or Matt, do you want, if you're ready to? Well, I just, one, as I was reading through some of the comments and then some, some of the, you know, the minutes from the last meeting, which I did miss, but the, um, one of the questions I, that was raised in my mind was that if this results, you know, were to result in rate increases, which likely it would based on the information we've been provided, then it seems like an additional effort should be made, um, an outreach to all types of customers, you know, and I think, um, 
because I think essentially what would might be seen or perceived as a mandated rate increase is obviously not going to go over well with, I think, a lot of people. And so it seems like you would need to have more of a groundswell approach where it's multiple voices, different kinds of voices coming to it in support. Um, and I think that's been the fault, I think, in some instances in the past for these efforts, even locally, is that you, you, we perceive that it's something that everybody wants, that this is how we're going to get to our goals. And, and, and then in the individual programs or initiatives, you find there's a lot of resistance to it. And it becomes both a communication issue, but also a, um, an advocacy, you know, persuasive influence type issue. Um, so I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of additional effort would be need to be made, kind of to the side of this effort or in tandem with this effort to uh, to make it successful if we were to go forward. Just one one comment, <clears throat> very brief. You just said something that struck a note with me: uh, achievement of our goal. Uh, there are several ways to achieve our goal, and we were embarked on one of those ways, and this is a new approach to that way. It's not an either-or, and it probably is an either-or. It's, pro it's probably not a both-and. I'd like to think there's something in between, but I don't know what it, what it would be. Uh, I'm not personally terribly concerned about sticking with what we're doing uh, for a lot of reasons that we've already talked about. But uh, we're not giving up on our goal. That's my main point, right? We're not giving up on our goal. Doesn't change anything we started off with. Doesn't change our climate action plan. Doesn't change any accelerations that we've implemented to our climate action plan. It's just another way of approaching it. And <clears throat> to me, it's got a lot of politics in it. That's my biggest concern. I would just like to echo Matt. You phrased that, Matt Krieger. You phrased that very well. The issue of cost and the impacts, um, and really having widespread understanding and input from our community, and then kind of a seeing what the reaction is, seeing what what the support is. I um, just always have concerns about who bears when when you want things to be sustainable. You want to reduce the greenhouse gases is that spread equitably and that you know obviously as a part of what this commission does is to consider the equity the equitable outcomes and the co-benefits of of any any projects we do um, and the risks so to speak so part of you know what sarah said when i hear about how this discussion is continuing like for example what ann arbor is doing the, some of the questions they're raising um i admit it is sounding tempting to have a have a consultant if that consultant can get I think we had a lot of questions about the dollars the financial claims being made um, I don't know if a consultant can somehow help get uh, answers from our public as well and they're kind of they're rel related but two different questions um, you know there's some similarity when we try to to what are trying to wrap our heads around the methane proposal you know that was extremely technical and i think some of this um 
you know, we, we are on this commission because we, are, we agreed to try to share our views and our expertise, um, but there's just the 24 seven is, is very complex. And when we see some very disparate views of what it would accomplish and how it would accomplish that, it gives me just some pause about, um, you know, I'm willing to go back and look at the, the questions and answer, you know, the answers we were provided, but I keep going back to the, some of the cost issue and what it, what that would do for, for Iowa City. I'm a little unclear, if De, but with Des Moines having made a resolution, are they now committed to, is it, it's a resolution to, exp, and I apologize if I missed the clarification on that, is it a resolution to, act, to, to have adopt this and, and now accomplish it, or is it a resolution to somehow move forward, but not a full the, commitment? It's, uh, it's my understanding that it's in the packet that and the question to answer is just that Des Moines has to put forward some sort of a, an approach or a plan by December of this year. Okay, so. Right, and I think that you also have Ann Arbor saying they're gonna retain a consultant to do some of this work. It, the, the, the gas study is, is sort of a, a, you know, analogous, but much, much, much less complex than this. So I think that, you know, when you talk about, I've tried to read a lot about it and feel ill-equipped to answer just the technical information. And the thing is on the gas study, we had more transparent data and information as to what was happening there. The, the whole idea is that the, the, the uh, utilities don't provide willingly the kind of data you'd need to have a, in, a really good study. So it depends on the ability of a consultant to understand that industry, have come from it, basically know what those internals are, the calculations are when they talk about all of the the costs associated with things. I think is, is Ann Arbor Muni. Um, no, not okay. yet. It may. I think part of the reason right, they are asking for a feasibility study is this could result in them needing right, okay, to that's what supplies. It, that's what it is. Um, and so you know that when you're dealing with an IOU and they're, you know, have proprietary information that they're not willing to disclose, it's all proxy and it's all guesstimates. Um, that's that's after the complexity, right? That's in addition to the complexity of trying to figure out how this all works. I think throwing the IRA into the mix, um, which when I was thinking about this prior to the summer, um, colored some of my views. The IRA is, is a whole scale restructuring of our- Sorry, I'm not, you're saying the The, I, the inflation reduction. The IRA, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, um, is, is, a, is a whole scale sort of rejiggering of the landscape that the industrial policy landscape of the US is gonna change trajectories. It's gonna change feasibility, curves, costs, technology adoption. So for existing goals, it's gonna have an impact on how fast we overshoot those goals or reach them. It's also gonna affect something like this and the numbers that, that Mid-American put forward to this commission is, are gonna change. So my feeling is that if Ann Arbor's doing the, and, you know, I don't know if you were saying we get a consultant, I would say Ann Arbor's retaining a consultant and they have different unique idiosyncrasies, but that data put forward with Des Moines plan that they should put forward in December. As a commissioner, I think it would, it would be best to, to wait and see what they do. There, there's no urgency, in the climate urgency is there, but on our part to get our own consultant, without a consultant, obviously we're not gonna make a recommendation Ann Arbor's doing it, Des Moines has to put a plan forth. That's gonna happen in the near term. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't see how I could make any kind of a, you know, uh, moving forward would say, stay engaged with WRI, talk to Ann Arbor, be engaged with the city of Des Moines. 
But to say, let's move forward on this, to me personally, is, is challenging. And I would agree. I mean, I would also echo the, the IRA impact. Um, one of the questions that I actually had written down here as I was reading through it was, is there a way to, uh, I mean, it's almost like you want to have a negotiator. And I know we don't have our, our franchise agreement up until, what, 2027, I think is what I said. But the thing is, like, if you're going to look at the calculations, you're going to want to see how the IRA in, is incorporated into that. Because it seems to me like, and be transparent about it, because it seems to me like they're getting these incentives, but are they passing those incentives down to the rate reductions to the customers? My guess is no, but they're not going to tell us that unless we see it, like, itemized. Correct, yeah. So I would recommend that in any case, you know, that that math is, is represented. And then, so the other thing is the 24-7, as I understand it, right, and the, the politics of it, if you say they're politics, but, because I mean, I think it's, I, I love the idea of it, to be clear on the record. 24-7 is an excellent idea. It's where we have to go. It pushes us to not be reliant on fossil fuels over the long term. On, on the flip side, the goal of it is, is to reach into the utilities pocket and shut down infrastructure that we don't like outside the city. You know, MidAmerican is, is taking us to 100%. Now, you, you can argue it's kind of like squeezing a balloon, right? It's like they're giving the wrecks to Iowa City so we can retire them on our behalf. We can say we're clean. Our scope, too, is clean. We could, within a year or two, say that we're 100% renewable. That doesn't mean that, that the utility itself is burning 100% renewables. We get that, right? 24-7 is trying to force them to retire coal facilities faster, as I see it, right? So we're picking a fight on behalf of a broader constituency being the public saying, we don't think you're shutting down coal fast enough. That's where, to me, it gets a little bit more interesting when we're a city commission trying to do for Iowa City what we can. Are we warriors for the climate, right? Which, yes, we're all here because we care. But are we, are, are we considering that in the context of Iowa City? And to me, that, that's also, I'm not saying where I sit on that, but this feels like Iowa City is trying to move the broader utility structure outside of Iowa City and beyond our benefit for cities that may not get the wrecks or are experiencing coal problems. I want to unpack that too, understand like the logic behind why, why 24 seven is, is so urgent right now, knowing all the stuff that's going on. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I just don't understand it. And not understanding makes it really hard to sell the public on this being a good idea. I know you didn't say, let's sell the public. We want to find out what the public's feelings are. But somebody has to educate the public to allow them to make a reasonable, educated decision. And I, I'm not in a position to do that. And I'm a little concerned that our utility situation is different than everyone else's that we're talking about. And uh, I don't think we have a lot of control over it. And again, so this is Stratus. Not, not to say that because we're the beneficiaries because of the, probably because of the politics of a city and what we want, right? That there's an understanding that we want those racks, we want them retired, we want to claim those emissions, uh, or carbon reduction emissions, that to say that uh, that's not important and whatever else, but, but, and that we're not benefiting a certain way from some, something that's not happening elsewhere. But as far as concerns us, right? The, for the things that are in within the city's control, um, if our scope to is being zeroed out, um, we're basically advocating for something bigger. That's how I see it. And, and we have to decide if that's what we want to do as a commission. I'm not, I'm, I'm absolutely agnostic on that point, but we have to like put our, 
values forward and say our job is to just drive this everywhere and anywhere we possibly can. This commission's mandate extends to all things climate, and, and that's something the commission has to think about. Would, um, would it, could we maybe allow Elizabeth some time now? Yeah, yes. um, and th thank you for all the comments. And um, I can say what you just said was, was an articulation of some things I've been thinking. Excellent. Um, uh, Elizabeth, do you want to come back up and please give your full name and um, share, share with us your thoughts? Thanks for your patience. Yeah, no problem. I hate to interrupt the items. good discussion and all the good questions and everything. Um, but real quick, yeah, my name is Elizabeth Wagner. I am an Iowa City resident, and I also work with the Iowa Environmental Council, who you've heard from um, earlier this year. Um, and so I just wanted to make a comment today um, and point out that some of the questions and answers provided in uh, today's agenda packet seem to not um, incorporate some of the information that um, the Iowa Environmental Council provided to the commission on the topic of 24-7 CFE resolution. Um, so please allow me to just reiterate some of the information important to today's topic um, and invite you to review that information that IEC previously um, provided in the further discussion today as well. And I know that discussion will continue. So um, first, I just wanted to restate um, sort of what you've been talking about um, already, that in April of this year, the IPCC announced that in order to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, global electricity production will require a nearly complete elimination of fossil fuels from generation by 2030. And so in response um, to this, the US um, declared a goal to reach carbon-free electricity nationwide by 2035. And so a local 24-7 CFE resolution um, aligns both with that policy and so in the most recent climate science um, with that urgency. And second, uh, several of the questions in today's um, agenda address rate changes, and I know that's been a big topic um, so far in today's discussion. Um, and we just wanna state again that a utility cannot set a city-specific rate without um, review and approval from the Iowa Utilities Board. Um, and there was also a question regarding the risk of preemption in terms of franchise agreements. And we want to emphasize that the final 24 seven uh, carbon free electricity resolutions passed by both Des Moines and Waterloo did not include the mention of a franchise agreement. Um, so as that early language was removed after input from the utility. So an Iowa City resolution would not need to include franchise agreement uh, language in order to pursue this goal. Um, and you know, Iowa City needs a clean energy goal that imagines uh, uh, electric grid in 2035 that is free of fossil fuels. Um, we know the urgency, the climate crisis necessitates this. Um, we don't have all of the answers yet, as we all know, um, and Iowa City will not be responsible for solving it all. Um, but we do know that work must take place to capitalize on um, Iowa's renewable energy capacity, um, expand energy storage, use um, energy more efficiently, things like that. Um, and our city can do as other cities have done um, and use this resolution really as a starting point um, to shaping city efforts and working with utility partners and community stakeholders um, and really lay out a vision um, for a, a carbon-free energy city. So just wanted to add that in there. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. I mean, I think it, she one, one comment in there made me 
brought up another question in my mind for us to consider potentially is that when the accelerated action plan was adopted, it also increased the or adjusted the goal based on the new the newer IPCC um, goals. And so, you know, those are continue to probably are going to continue to update. And I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, will we also adjust based on that, or should we? Um, you know, I think John mentioned earlier about maintaining our current trajectory, our, or, you know, our current goals, make, trying to get to achieve that, because you're always, there's always a new program out there or a new initiative. Things are always changing. The baseline keeps changing. Um, so I think maybe we need to also discuss what is our, um, you know, threshold for being able to, to do that. You know, what do we think we should be doing? I'm kind of mixed, personally. Mm. <laughs> so, like, but... Matt, do you see that conversation happening happening in the next month or two or more? Wait until, as Stratus has suggested, we get there's at least four or five sources of information we could get, and which means waiting till at least January or February. Oh yeah, I mean I think I, within the time frame of everything that seems kind of logical. Con concurrently, yeah. um, if but. Oh, did you want to say something, Stratus? Yeah, I mean, I guess just, Matt, based on your, your that's, that's my impression, too, is that I, I do hope that and wish that we saw the Climate Action Plan as a living document and that when the science comes, you know, when, when the IPCC makes a recommendation and, and there's alignment across those bodies, the, the commission should directly consider that, right, in the face of changing evidence of what it's going to take to avoid catastrophic warming, right? And so the question is what, are you willing to accept 0.2 or 0.4 or 0.5 more uh, or are we unique in, in having our responsibilities not coincide with the broader decarbonization efforts or things like that? But I think that the, the analogy I was using is like you're trying to, to make it all the way across the canyon when you jump. And so setting a goal to like get 90% of the way puts you at the bottom of the canyon. Um, there's degrees, I guess, literal degrees to, to what different scenarios under warming scenarios imply in terms of risk and positive feedback loops and things like that. And so the best thing we could do as a city is say, we are IPCC aligned, which is the best scientific evidence out there. Barring us saying that adds catastrophic, you know, doubles utility rate costs. And that's the only tool we have to be in alignment. Then it becomes an equity issue. And it's a question of, is our city uniquely disadvantaged? You know, like some cities will be in this process. And then the question is, is the federal government coming in to help? Our policy is gonna help you know, take the sting out of this, et cetera. My question is that part. And so, yes, if we can look at Ann Arbor's information and Des Moines information, and we can take that seriously and think about what that implies for us, maybe it's not a 24 seven goal, but it's an update to the climate commissions or the climate action plans, you know, accelerated um, planning, but just echoing Matt, I guess, that, that we should be thinking about this as, as updatable. Um, but it has to come with evidence that we know. I mean, we don't, as Elizabeth said, we don't have to know everything. Uh, what Greta Thunberg said, it's like cathedral thinking. Um, people who built the foundations of cathedrals, um, they were like, these are 200 and 300 year projects, right? They didn't even know what the buttresses would look like, but they started building them. We, this is the climate scenario. We don't understand what, and we can't say like, we t if, if we knew I was gonna pencil out and then moved, I think that disaster would be upon us. So we have to move to a certain degree without knowing what's out there. But if it's symbolic, if 24 seven is just symbolic anyway, and it's getting the city thinking, then I think that we are thinking and we have to 
to, to, to move forward before we sign on to a particular set of policies that we don't understand. Lynch. I think in terms of like making a big bold statement that like this is where we need to go or this is what we believe in, this is like we are really stating and understanding the changes that need to be made in order to avoid catastrophic warming. That makes a ton of sense to me. The part that I don't understand is in terms of this specific resolution, like what are the actual steps that can be taken to actually achieve that. And it seems like when Mid-American is kind of our one pathway to making the changes, that just, it seems very adversarial in a way that I don't, I don't see the like actionable steps toward. But like the concept and the declaration totally makes sense to me. I mean, I think, when, so when is our climate action plan scheduled to be updated? It's every five years, right? It would be next year? Um, currently, we're in phase two. Um, phase three runs through actions initiated, I believe, in 2025. So we have a couple years okay. um, on the accelerated action plan. And then, um, yes, then we'll be thinking about an update. Okay. Would the commission, I feel like I have a little summary I can make of all the, I'll do my best. And if that were, I can say it, if that were entered into the minutes and potentially for the time being is what the council sees, as Sarah noted, the council sees are the things we've been talking about. And in some ways, when you think about it, like, well, in certain situations, you're making recommendation a formal mem memo is required. When we are still grappling with the issues, that's helpful to them too, right? I, if I heard you correctly. So what I kind of heard, and it's, I'm trying to order this, um, is that the 24-7 on the one hand is a, overall, a laudable goal. There are concerns about whether it would be seen as symbolic because, because it doesn't necessarily push the needle in a sense beyond our, our borders. We have concerns about cost imp impacts and equity. Um, it's also not, it is the only avenue one involving our relationship with the main utility, Mid-American Energy. Um, we would, it sounds like the commission would like to, we, I, if I think I'm speaking for us, we would like to wait and discuss this again in January when we can learn more about uh, January or a little later what Ann Arbor's um, uh, consultant found uh, with of course caveats that they have a slightly different situation, but we could learn from their, their report that Sarah and Danny uh, and other staff that as they attend the W the World Research Inst is it Institute or Initiative? I think it's Institute. Institute uh, meetings. They continue to bring some of that information back and reflect on it as you can. Um, we watch what happens in Des Moines with now that they're making a commitment and they're issuing a report. Um, we want to recognize that the Inflation Reduction Act has is already having an impact on how we should be thinking about these things and there's just much more yet to be seen uh, and we would like also to have the time to see what, what that might uh, um, do and kind of 
uh, this I should have probably mentioned a little earlier when we were talking about the cost impacts that we we don't feel like we have a sense of what the overall community really wants. You know, we appreciate we've had uh, the different groups come and someone else will have to wave their arms. Um, but we're just not clear what the community w is thinking on this type of thing. Um, so those were the main things I think I heard and captured, uh, um, if I missed anything. I mean, the, it'll be in the minutes as we were discussing it, but I thought it would be helpful for us to kind of recap all of that was just said. Did I miss anything major? I think you said it, but there's, there's some <laughs> unknown about the, uh, how far our utility oh. partner will go with us on this. So yes, that was we don't have to name them, but they're unique. They're different than the other communities that we're looking at, and that could change the whole situation right there. Just yep. And uh, PUC. Oh, I mean, we this, also this Jesse. Um, I mean, Mid American is the main utility for Des Moines, and I believe Water Waterloo as well. So I mean, in as much as they participate, you know. Mike and Catherine have participated in, in those. I have not been privy to those conversations, but I mean, they're. And PUC is, were, is, is common to Des Moines and mm -hmm. Dubuque and Iowa City as well, but yeah. certainly unknown yeah. to me from a political standpoint where, where they would go on this. And, and I guess, I mean, the, the other thought that I was having with this too is that, you know, while they don't provide a huge piece of you know electric service in in Iowa City um, you know that we're not the only utility especially for the city's main use at what at the you know the wastewater plant you know that are there implications to I, I forget if it's a wreck or, or who it is down there probably a wreck but yeah. Yeah, it's a rural yeah. electric cooperative. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I mean, I, I'm here, and we've had Mid American, you know, representatives talk, and apologize I wasn't able to make the last meeting, but um, you know, and I'll, I'll follow up with Mike and, and Catherine as well on on getting more of that follow up information. Um, but uh, this could have implications for for them too. I mean, again, it's a small small piece of the pie. But it's a it's a pretty big use for that one account, um, energy intensive use. So it might be worth talking to them as well, I guess. Thanks, Jesse, for that perspective. Um, and then I think we have this adjacent and related issue. Um, Stratus was touching on, and also John of what was what is the goal now is it did we push to the ipcc ipcc goal and that seems to be part of a, a, the other discussion of you know related to our plan specifically and um that's something i think we're also saying we want to think about uh for for next year and this connects also to um to bring your minds many meetings back. Remember, we did have also the science-based goal discussion. So that piece, while that's been re that relates to all these things we've been talking about, it also obviously relates to, 
the goal setting. We haven't talked about that as, as much. Um, so we've learned a lot. I think we've really learned a lot. I really hope everybody feels and that, you know, and, and Matt Walter, if you, I know you've kind of had to jump into this and if you need some guidance on like what went on in some of these meetings um, I, prior to feel a little more uh, like you have a handle on it, we can either I or I'm sure we could help you out because we're probably referring to a lot of things and you're like, what? <laughs> what was that about? But um, we have had a lot of information come to us this year. Um, which is what you're for. And thank you so much for all the thoughtful debate. Um, I do want to put in one point of clarification because I think it may impact the decision. Um, although Des Moines is supposed to put forward a plan by the end of the year, Ann Arbor probably, it, it's unrealistic to think that their feasibility study would be completed by January. So that's probably a longer timeline if we want to wait and see what um, comes of that. Um, yeah. Will, will the shape of their study or kind of the do they think that the the study is going to be kind of put out for bid or or yes they're um, the, bound, the bounds of the study for would be would be there by then um that i don't know we can reach out to our colleagues in ann arbor and ask where they're at with it um, they are putting it out to bid i know but it's a very recent development there so what we know about it is very limited other than that that's the direction they're choosing to go in you know and i it's worth noting that i think so far the only city in that cohort of cities that's um decided to go in that direction too so it remains to be seen what other cities will do so at this oh sorry go ahead are we i mean are we the only city that already has a in this group that already has such a detailed plan, like right, Des Moines at the point of saying like, okay, we want to, we recognize this is an issue. We're going to now make a plan. Mm -hmm. We kind of already have a plan. Is that different? That's actually an excellent point. Um, I can't speak to all the other cities in the national cohort. I can certainly find out. Ann Arbor, I think, does have a plan that's existing. But in Iowa, the two communities that have adopted this resolution have adopted it as part of the launch process for their own climate action plans. They do not currently have plans and this is folded into it. So um, yeah, we have an existing plan and we're a little unique in that way. Just as a sidebar comment to one of my previous comments, you know, if the Iowa Environmental Council wanted to have a marketing campaign to help influence the public, that would be very helpful too. <laughs> <laughs> I still question a little bit, not that globally we shouldn't, every country, every city within every country should have this ultimate goal. And we should all agree on what it is. But I'm, I'm struggling with the sense that it makes for every city on the globe to start shooting for the same percentages simultaneously, because some are behind, some are ahead, some haven't even started. Uh, we all want to get there, but I, I'm not ashamed to have a different timetable than somebody else based on my resources, based on what I have control over. That's the challenge for us. We used to be just talking about Iowa City. We're not talking about Iowa City anymore, really. We're, we're going beyond uh, our scope. And that's, that's a challenge. It doesn't mean we shouldn't attack it. But I think we need to be realistic 
and what we can what can what we can accomplish, what we have control over, as opposed to what we have the ability to influence, as as opposed to what we have zero control over. The influence part is very important. That's the rah rah stuff that we can add on to right now, but the reality stuff is is a different story. It's it's what we can do, and I'm, I'm not smart enough to know what we can do with the 24-7 concept. Because it's, as everyone said, it's so complex. I'll just say really quickly, the 24-7 concept, there's also, you know, what the White House has put forward, which is the, uh, you know, zero emissions electricity sector by 2035, right? And so, it's just choices of language. And what we sign into specifically, when you sign into 24-7, I'm not saying no, but you're signing onto a policy that's been developed by a group of people that say this is the way forward. Iowa City could also can take that information and set its own course, right? And I think that's that's important too, is that using the language specifically 24-7 means is a particular way of thinking about this problem. And we should think really hard about what language we use, how, how communicable is it to the public? Does it make sense? Does 24-7 the best phrasing for this? Because words do matter. And so, I like all of the above, but I think that we have to th talk about that too. So would it help if Sarah, it's one small point of information, but Sarah, if you can try to find out Ann Arbor's tar timeline on getting information, I think we can continue the discussion. Would we like to continue the discussion, have, have some type of touch base on what's listed as the 24-7 initiative questions? We can, a little bit to your point, Stratus, have it, this listed a little differently as something like um, no. goals, question mark. I don't know. <laughs> Revised goals or whatever it may be. Pardon? Yeah. Revised goals or something, yeah. You know, and come at it and just to continue. We can, so two things. One, we can decide based on what, again, that's one small point about what Ann Arbor might be doing. Decide whether we want to do anything different. Do we, for some reason, do we want to do some type of memo or the discussion and summary we had today and whatever else we discussed next November, is that for now fine? And then we wait for whatever, you know, a reasonable time for whatever information. So that would be one thing I propose. If it's helpful to have it listed different though than, you know, it could be something and 24 seven initiative. So we're in part, it's a little bit of signaling, but it's like we're saying we're, we're thinking of this, but in a, within a bigger context as well, just, than if it's on the agenda, it, you know, it's a little bit semantics, and I'm aware that we're just at the end of time. So, no, Becky, I think that's a good point. No, we're right at the end of time. I, um, I can. You're, so you're saying like to have a memo go to council to say that we're no. No, no, no memo. I'm just saying that next time we 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 can if we want to continue the discussion, we can list it as 24/7 initiative and GHG goals. It can be a little bit. We can list this a little bit broader. Um, yeah, I think that's helpful. Yeah, because where we're getting really, I don't know, it feels like sort of stuck into 24-7, but if like the bigger right. picture is, yeah. do we need to, do we want to make a stronger resolution or change our goals in any way, or are we, so it's not necessarily yeah, it's, just 24-7. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for saying, and, and we could just have a little, and keeping in mind there is, a timeline that's already you know been set for revi revising things, but maybe that would allow us 
to think a little differently, just explore that. Uh, would that be okay, Sarah? Um, it would be. I would just, one thing I would want to offer, if we're truly talking about revising goals, you know, everything that was in but, the Climate Action Plan went through a public comment process. And, and so if we revise goals or if that becomes the recommendation, we would want to recommend potentially. Maybe it's not revising goals. Maybe it's looking at are we on a pathway to get where we want? With, there's, you know, ways that we have brought in new things within the framework without that are allowable and in you know measured if you will so my, i didn't want to open a can of worms there um, no yeah my my my, my feeling would be that we would visit this in the january meeting based upon seeing what des moines um, okay what's out there staff could help us to to, to put in the packet whatever des moines submits and we would read it and just comment as a group to stay on it, that would be, to me, an interesting thing, because it's a, it's a point at which we hope, or whatever the date the Des Moines, if maybe they don't make the December date, mm -hmm. um, maybe it it's ends up being February, but I would say the next point of discussion on this could be what has Des Moines submitted and how do so, we think that impacts the commission? So would everyone be okay with just, we would leave this off, we would basically leave it off the agenda till January, just give a little pause or Michael, are you, <laughs> we were yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I know, I know we're over time. I just like, I just asked a clarifying question. Like when we look at our current plan, are we now saying like that plan is not aggressive enough? N not necessarily. Oh, this is more aggressive than our current plan. But that's not saying our plan today is not aggressive enough. Is that, is that I mean, that to me is kind of like the main question. In my mind, it is a revised goal, and it should go through public inputs yeah, okay. process because that's that was my point earlier. You need a bigger groundswell of, of backing behind it, and you get that through public inquiry. So, so maybe Sarah and I could figure out what, if any, is a discussion item for November, and we always can take a little bit of a pause and bring it back in December. I just want to be very mindful. We're kind of already time. Would that be okay? And. This isn't to shut down the discussion at all. Maybe just because um, we kind of started getting off to another bigger topic. We all thought we're here to talk about 24-7. We did that. We did a really good job of that. But it turned out there's something else there, right? So if it's OK, um, our next meeting keep is uh, Monday, November 7th from 3.30 to 5 in this location. No changes, correct? Is that we're here? Yes, we are okay. here. <laughs> and then were there any for actionable items? Sarah, did you, or um, Danny or Megan? Yeah, I'm going to amend the minutes to make it clear who wrote the supplementary memo. Um, I'll follow up with mid-am on the questions we didn't hear back from. I'll put the report from Ayman Sharif in the next agenda packet. Um, we'll try to find out a timeline from Ann Arbor um, for their study, what they're proposing. And then uh, Becky and I will meet and figure out uh, what to do with the agenda in November. So, um, and just thank you again for your comments. You know, the council is reading, are reading these minutes very carefully and all of this is very useful. So thank you. Thank you everyone for your time. Sorry we went a little over. And thank you, Jesse, for being online. So we'll see you all. I can't believe November's coming up, so. <laughs> no, no. So take care till then. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Oh, we need to. Oh, sorry. Yeah, official. We gotta be official. Oh, somebody. A motion to um, adjourn. Oh, so, I move to adjourn. Like, thank you, Jesse. Is there a second? I second. Second by Krieger. All in favor? 
Bye. 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 We are Bye. adjourned. <laughs>